welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, my guest, and I'm super excited to welcome on, fellow Aquarian, fellow Morgan. It's, it's so, many, so many similarities here. I want to welcome an um, accomplished songwriter, recording artist, actor, entrepreneur, philanthropist from, from Baltimore, Baltimore East Side. Um, please welcome Wordsmith. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Before we even get started, congrats to you and all your success over the years and longevity, because you are at longevity level right now. So, <laughs> And I'm proud that you're an Aquarius, man. And we share the same birthday, January 20th, which is a first. So. All of these things going to be a great show. 100%. Yeah, 100%, and thank you for that. Um, I know, like, maybe one or two, like, I know of uh, our guy. Um, I know of our guy, uh, Questlove. That's right. That's the only other one that I know of. Like, I'm not, like, trapping for, like, Buzz Aldrin. Like, yo, <laughs> I love Buzz. You know, so as we, as we get started, um, and again, thank you for, for coming here and spending the time. And we're, we're doing this in the same space, which is very important, you know. And I think we touched on that a little bit when we first got together and first got here. And um, I will say, I believe it was at the end of the year um, concert at BSO. <laughs> I was like, I'm mad. I just yes, saw you yes. come there and do your thing. And my girl was like, they got rap here? They have rappers? <laughs> I mean, that was just a guest spot for me. You yeah. know, um, I had came off of doing, we had our Christmas show prior to that. And normally when we do, when we do our Christmas show, I do a, a rendition of The Night Before Christmas. Yeah. But if you know hip hop and you know Mad Skills, how he kind of does the wrap up every yeah. year, my version of The Night Before Christmas is basically the classical version of the wrap up. <laughs> so audience loves it, but prior to that I had did, we had did our first theatrical piece called The Soldier's Tale. Yeah. And I was blessed to do it because the BSO let me rewrite the whole piece from scratch. Yeah. They let me tell it from a black soldier's perspective, which I think is important in this city, being this is a black city. Yeah. And I would say it was the first major project they let me lead, you know, mm -hmm. from front to back. So I was proud as a black man, yeah. you know, working in a white institution where they do show me a lot of love. Yeah. When I say white institution, I'm not saying it as, oh, they don't have love for me. I say it as we know classical is more filled with old white folks. Yeah. But we're trying to have black folks like myself that can write music, compose music, to be more part of that world so we can invite our community into there and they can feel comfortable. So... I, I, I like starting off with a little bit of a taste yeah. of, of what the conversations are going to lead right, to. Man. So, in, in stepping backwards, and, and thank you for, for sharing that because that's really great context. And, you know, some of the, the messaging there, some of the ideas that are there, it's definitely bringing, it's got my attention. I've been to two, I have two more scheduled. It's, my man. it's, a, it's a regular, I mean, I'm classy, <laughs> you know, of course, it's gang, gang level. I'm going in with my ascot. You yes. should have saw me. I, I, Bruh, to I believe it, I believe it. Um, our stage manager, um, and I don't want to get it wrong, I believe yeah. she's Asian, and, and I love her to death, and she made such a great comment, you know, she said, and everybody take this the right way, because I know she said it in complete fun, she goes, man, the black folks are outdressing the white folks in here. <laughs> and it was such an innocent comment, but it's it comes from two, you're not seeing black people on a regular basis dressed fresh like that. So yeah. you go, whoa, they bringing a whole culture and different flavor. You got fellas in there with green suits, pink suits, yellow suits on. And I'm talking about I'm talking about the gala now. Yeah. I went back to the gala and to see that we come in there looking fly, you know what I mean? Kangos on, top hats on, <laughs> feathers, you know what I mean? Looking like we pimping up in there, Look, but it's man. it's just us putting black culture on display. That's all it is. Yeah, I mean, one of, one of the things that I've been trying to make happen is get a diplomat hat. <laughs> that Wild Charles Mangus joint. If I yes. can find that somewhere, 
and I already have a Charles Mangus temperament. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. <laughs> and you got the glasses, bro. Look, it's, it we, we're here. Done. We're here. <laughs> so, in, in starting out, I like to be able to tap into some of those early experiences that creatives have, that artists have, and that people preserving culture have. That's really like where I like to start because I think, and we were talking a little bit about this beforehand. Like, when did you get started? Well, officially. <laughs> then, but really, I can tap that back to like when I was a kid. So from, from your vantage point, what are some things that are like the roots for you creatively? Like, have you, you know, you were really into a specific, you know, genre, specific album, specific piece of art when you were younger that found this way into your work now, that found this way into some of the motivations and inspirations behind your work. So talk sure. about some of your early influences. Uh, I would say my parents influenced me unconsciously because I remember two of the first tapes I got were the Fat Boys Are Back and nice. Run DMC Tough and Eleven. I know nice. y'all young kids don't know what I'm talking about, but tapes. And the, and the Fat Boys Are Back was a white tape. <laughs> which means the lettering gets rubbed off after about two months. So, But they got us these, my brother and I, these two tapes, man, and it blew our minds. Yeah. You know, this is when hip-hop was still early. I was decently young. And the second moment, I would say, where I knew I wanted to be involved in entertainment, well, I should say my, my parents knew, I did this play when I was eight years old, and I didn't think nothing of it. You know, I was just trying to get an A and... I already had the mind frame, you're a fellow Aquarius, we're gonna do everything a thousand percent, even if we don't like it. 100%. And so that's what I did, but I was kind of quiet as a kid because I always felt weird. I always had these, not crazy thoughts in the fact that I would do something crazy, but I just thought out of the box a lot. And mm -hmm. so I was afraid to kind of be outspoken and be myself, so I was quiet. Then when I did this play, my mother was, you know, who did this person, where did you come from? I've never seen my son act like this a day in my life. So, but my mother, I remember that day said, you need to do music, acting, something in entertainment. And I pushed it to the side for years because football was my thing, sports was my thing, played ball at Morgan State. So that's what I saw my path was yeah. um, until injuries kind of hit. And honestly, I did not know where I was gonna go, what I was gonna do. I knew I had ability to write music, I knew I had ability to act, compose music, things of that nature, but it didn't interest me yeah. on the level that I saw it interest my mother, because she saw that gift. And no lie, when I got to that crossroads and I said, okay, I don't have football no more. I'm not gonna make it to the pros. What do I do? Because yeah. up until that time, my identity was only football. What, what position did you play? In, in high school, I played everything. Running back, I played linebacker, safety, but at Morgan, I played cornerback. I wasn't big enough. You definitely give me cornerback vibes. Yeah, straight corner when I got to Morgan because I just wasn't big enough, and I yeah. loved linebacker, but uh, it, was a, it was a tough time, I remember, because I really didn't know what else I was made of. I didn't really try a lot of other things. I just put all my power into sports. Sure. And that's when my mother rung out of my head and was... I tried out for this improv play, I remember, and I got it at first try, and I just remember how it opened my heart. It was almost, best way I can describe it is you finding a chest and not knowing it's inside of it, and you unlock it. And it's, I unlocked something that always was there, but I was just keeping it stored away. And I just remember, I was like, man, I'm getting the same rush I got from playing sports, because I didn't know I could get that same rush. Then I missed the camaraderie of sports, mm -hmm. which a lot of people would tell you when they're done playing. And I saw I could get that same thing when you do plays, when you do films, yeah. when you work in music and you collaborate with other artists. I said, oh, okay, I can get the same uh, uh, feel and adrenaline rush. And mm -hmm. then 
oh, now nah, I lost the audience. No, nah, I ain't lose the audience. I can come out here and do a show, and it's even bigger now because it's not me as a team. You know, it's it's work a craft that I'm putting together and presenting to an audience. So I saw that a lot of the stuff sports was giving me, mm-hmm. I was getting it from music, and I took the discipline and the work ethic that I learned from playing football, and I applied it to my music. That's why I'm successful today, to be honest. I can see that. I, c- I can see sort of the when you think of the highest level, right, in football, yeah. you think of the NFL, mm-hmm. and it's sports, but also it's inter- it's it's inter sports. So have you? It's sports inter- not a, that's a coin phrase by WWE, <laughs> but it's a version of that where we want to restrict these things. But why do we do sort of these? Why do we have cool jerseys? You know, you want to have somebody. One, you want people to buy it, but you want to have something that you want to have fandom. You want to yeah. entertain to a degree. If everyone was just matriculating the ball down the field and wore black and white jerseys, no one would care. You know, to a certain degree, it's like, oh, okay, this is great, but you're gonna lose a big, big chunk of the audience. So there is an entertainment component there, and you see instances where people have crossed over, mm-hmm. and you have a lane. And I think, you know, again, Aquarius connecting. I think when there's a lane that one has, when they're being like a creative, like polymath. I I think when you're doing multiple <laughs> things, and you make your your sort of own lane. Like it's that. like this is my stamp on it. Yeah, and. Do you ever run into this sort of thing, and, and we're, we're going to go back into it, but now you got my attention on, on this, this level. Um, you ever go back and kind of think, like, what if I chose maybe this area of, a, like, a creative pursuit and maybe think, like, okay, I didn't go as far in a particular interest or maybe I went too far in this one and this is why I'm doing this a lot sure. now. So, like, at one point I wanted to be a filmmaker and at one point I wanted to write comics. I've gone back to both of those in different ways, but I've gone as far as I can go, you know, or I've gone very far in podcasting. So that became like kind of the key focus and it's branched off into these other areas. So using that sort of scenario, have you ever done that? Uh, I had to learn to trust the process. And I think that's the hardest thing for all of us, just as humans, because we have stuff we're really passionate about and we go after those things. And if that thing we're not passionate about, if it doesn't work out, we don't really know what to do next. Yeah. Or we go, well, why, why didn't this work out? This was supposed to be certain. It felt like it was certain. <laughs> and then it doesn't work out, and you go, oh, okay, well, you're back to why am I here? Yeah. What is my purpose here on Earth? You know what I mean? And so I've had to learn to trust the process because I've seen more times than not that when I trust the process, another door is going to open for me, normally bigger than the last one. And I'm even talking about... You know, you have different circles of friends depending on the season or depending on, you know, some people are in your life for long term, short term. And I even look at that uh, side of things, you know, with my life and in my career is there's people that I've had to X out of my life that Mm helped me take two steps forward. And even when it didn't feel good or I go, I hate to have to do this, but I know I have to do it. And once I would do it, I would get that confirmation of, okay. This person couldn't be a part of my my bubble anymore, my circle anymore. I couldn't move forward with this person. It's not me knocking that person or I appreciate what they did for me in that point of my life, in that moment in life. So, again, it's just another time where I'm trusting the process. And I feel like that's what you do. You have two passions (laughs) in life. But once you started podcasting, you started saying, okay, this has traction. And I'm loving it. And I'm getting to meet all these cool people, have these great conversations that I would love to have any day. Let me distrust this process and look where you at now with it. So that's all I've done. And Thank you. Yeah. if I said no to this, this, and this, I know I would not be where I'm at today. There's stuff that I, you know, offers and opportunities where I go, 
Well, you want to work with me for that, so, fool, but so then yeah. I take it, you know? So uh, I want to comment on that. I, I had to revisit that actually recently. I don't know if you are a Marvel movie guy or what have you, but... Think of the trade that one has to make for the Thanos situation to get that soul stone. I did that with relationships okay. with two of them. I was like, huh, both of you gone. Podcast success. And I know that's ridiculous. And um, But yeah, it's, it, it's that that happens. And I definitely agree with I got feedback. I got support from those individuals. And it was just literally sort of this short-term like, like fix, this sort, short-term scenario. Um, but as this thing started to grow, you know, the way that it has billboards, opportunities, and just me just putting in work, it's not, you know, like, it's just given to me. There's a certain degree of luck and all of that. It's just, I don't just crap out success, but at the same time, it's like work that goes with it. And you start seeing weird sorts of jealousy and just weird energy that comes in. Glad you brought that up. Yeah. So, so. We're, we're, so, like, talk about like some of those people being in, like, being like what's around in your circle, like the creatives that are there, the like situations that just don't really serve you. How do you sort through that? How do you really? And again, it's it's the process. I get mm -hmm. it. So, so talk about that because I think it's important to be around creatives. Like, I joke about it in a lot recently. I'm just a thief. Y'all think it's a podcast? I'm a thief. <laughs> I'm stealing conversations for y'all to make it oh, seem like man. I'm more interesting. So, so tell me about that. Uh, again, with me, it's been a lot of tough choices with my circle. You know, yeah. I've been such a given person throughout my life, and I still am. Don't worry yourself, that's on. how we are. <laughs> and so through my journey through the entertainment industry, I really had the vision of bringing a lot of people with me. You know, yeah, they have their own loves and passions, but I always looked at it as, you know, when I make it, X and X and X is going to make it. I, I want to share in my success. And that's why I said I'm glad you brought up the jealousy and things of that nature is I think you don't realize sometimes when you're building yourself that you might have friends that you love dearly, but at some point in time, once you outgrow them and they realize that, it turns into jealousy on their side. Yeah. And it's just, it's a natural, I would say, evolution of life. I have my path, you have your path. And things that were uncommon to us maybe 10 years ago may not be common to us now because my path is pulling me this way where I need to be in circles with people that are more like myself. Yeah. So I've found that it may not be love lost for old friends, but I, I really don't see spending time around them as valuable as it was before. Because too, I like to talk about things going on entertainment wise yeah. or politics or the black struggle. And some of my older friends, that's never on their mind. Yeah, I ain't trying to hear that right now, bro. I'm trying to talk about it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm gonna put myself around people that I can give something to them and they can give something to me. So I have kind of, I don't really have close friends anymore. I have really great work colleagues. Yeah. And I'm happy with that because I don't feel like there's any people where I, I have to show up for them every single day. I know where's a give and take as far as, hey, we have an opportunity to hang out, let's hang out. We have an opportunity to do business together, let's do business together. And I more prefer that relationship right now because my life is just really on the go. It's super busy between raising two kids, my nonprofit, my for-profit, the work I do at the symphony. Yeah. I'm trying to juggle a lot, you know? So how do you, so that, that, that's actually a good segue into a question. How do you juggle all of that and like sort of having, like, what I do, and people ask me that, like last year, you know, 2022, I put out 300 podcasts. I mean, I recorded more than that. And having the day job, having social responsibilities, I don't have any kids, so that's a, that's a, that's a win for me, I suppose. But 
I'll, I'll say that I like to steal time. I like to bucket things. I like to, if I can meet up with someone in person and do the interview in person, not only have I established like a richer connection with that person that doesn't feel almost transactionary, because I don't want that, but also, hey, you want to get a drink after this? You want to get a beer after this? And now it's like fellowship along correct, with getting correct. the content. So I try to stack in that way. Do you have any like tricks that you do to try to stretch that 24 hours that we get? <laughs> <laughs> I do like, we're Aquarius, man. So our, our key to us is connecting with other people. That's what we do. So when you said, hey, man, I want to do this in person, I didn't care about the short notice. That was irrelevant. I said, man, yes, I definitely want to do this in person because I knew us doing this in person, it would help the friendship long-term, or yeah. me doing this in person with you, I can meet anybody and be like, man, you know, you'd be great for Rob. I know he would dig you. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Not everybody I know you're gonna dig. It's gonna be people would have some substance, <laughs> some depth to them, yeah, yeah. and I know that about you, so that part on it as well, but also if I come across something, I'm like, yo, this would be great funding for Rob, I'm gonna reach out to you and say, yo, I came upon this, or I came upon this person, they, they do a lot of stuff with podcasts. They're looking to sponsor someone with a podcast. I'm hitting you up. And that's, and that's the same way that these scenarios work. When I look through, like, and I'm glad you said that, when I look through the sort of inventory of people I've interviewed, my man Miles here, I interviewed Miles. All right, Miles, and, okay. He's taking know, photos, by the way. Yeah, Miles is taking, pho taking great photos. Yeah. So, you know, that's the way that comes. And my thing is, and it's very much like you were saying, it's like you have work colleagues yeah. and it's like a community of work colleagues in some way, you know, because there's so <laughs> many different man. folks that I talk to. And so definitely relating to it in that way, but if I have a sense of what someone's work is and how they go about their work, if I'm like, I need something, it's like, who am I gonna reach out to? Who yeah. am I gonna provide some sort of access to some opportunity for funding or whatever the thing is, as you were saying? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, that's the way I look at it. I mean, I have, I ain't gonna say it's a mental list, I would say. When I really know I have something I wanna raise money for from my nonprofit that I can reach out to these people and they're super reliable. Yeah. Whether they hear me out and go, hey, I, can, I may not be able to help you right now, but I can reach out to X and X person. And just building that community of people that look out for one another. Again, not per se, it's in a realm where you're kicking your feet up at their house all the time, but yeah. you know they're reliable to where it's like, hey, I'm passionate about this, I got you. Yeah, um, at the, the end of the year, as I was telling you about a little bit uh, before we got started, and kind of getting that feedback from folks as to how a few of those situations um, in terms of funding and opportunities presented themselves, I would hear that, oh, you talked to this person, and they spoke really highly of me, and that was like the cherry on top, mm -hmm. or getting some of that sort of feedback is really cool to get that. Because it's like, it's not only a transaction. It's not only, hey, you're popping on, you're gonna talk about your work for a half an hour, 40 minutes, whatever, and then we'd never see each other again. Yeah, yeah. It's like, Baltimore's not that huge. So, I'm in the streets. <laughs> Yo, say what's good. I'm very exactly, noticeable. Exactly. I'm very noticeable. <laughs> exactly. So, when you, when you start thinking about like music, songwriting, any of the creative pursuits that, that you're like excelling in, right? Is there an album? Is there a movie? Is there a performance that like comes to mind? You're like, I want to do that because this person did it. And, and to a degree, mm. not saying be purely because they did it, but you're like, yeah. you know what? I can do this. I see them doing this. I can do this. <laughs> uh, I mean, first, I would say my pops listened to a lot of Parliament and Funkadelic uh, nice. growing up. <laughs> And so when I would see the shows and see the big spaceship on stage and the, and the dope costumes and 
I really respected how they really just did their own thing. You know, you have my man with the diaper on on stage. I knew stage. he was going to say that, by the way. Yes. Bootsy Collins, one of the best bass players in the world, in my opinion. But it's just, I loved how they were so free. Yeah. And uh, and I love, too, how they lived in their blackness on stage in a time where it wasn't always easy to live in your blackness. And they were so out the box. I'm like, half these dudes must be Aquarius because they're crazy and out the box and living on Mars somewhere. Yeah, but literally. I knew that I liked this. So I said, we got to be similar in that tip. But uh, I would say them. Um, I love 90s hip hop. Yeah. I still have a big tape collection at home, and 90s hip-hop did so much for my mind state, uh, the way I dress, just being involved in a culture. That's what I loved about hip-hop is there's an actual culture. Well, we can't really say that about all genres of music, that there's a culture and a community. Yeah. A lot of other genres, you're just like, that's country, that's yeah. pop. Hip-hop, you go, oh, this is a culture, this is a community. It's celebrated worldwide. 100%. When you can go to Saudi Arabia and they look the way we do here as far as how we dress, you're like, yo, that's, you're controlling the world to a degree, and it's yeah. being run by black folks. And it's, and it's a very powerful thing, and that's why folks want to have their fingers in, all over it. You yeah, have right. no interest in the culture. It's just, this is, a, this is a money grab opportunity, and you see it. You see the watered-downness of it. You mm -hmm. see the sort of lack of what are your influences like I, I i'll ask people like if you're standing on whatever the thing is that you're standing on it's almost like yo, who's your og that's, that's the question i started doing like who's your og like how did you get involved <laughs> i like you know i like that because and i try to ask a lot of the younger cats um about the older hip-hop artists yeah. and you know there's been debates and this and that and they probably they say this in person is washed up and i look at it like sports and i go how many great athletes came before our athletes that are out right now who yep. are making nickels and dimes? Those are the ones that allowed you to make that five mil, that 10 mil, that 20 mil. So the fact that you don't know who a master ace is, yep. you know what I'm saying? That you don't know who EPMD is. The fact that you don't know celebrated yep. hip hop artists and that you're downing them, you don't know a thing about their music or what they've done for the community. Then I look at the black artists back then, we were basically the news back mm -hmm. in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. You had groups, Public Enemy, where they were telling you this is what's going on in the black community. The mm -hmm. news isn't reporting on this stuff. So it was almost like shock news when I when it came out, or you would see the videos, and I'm sorry, white folks would be like, that's really happening? Yeah, that's what we deal with every day. They're beating up Negroes like hotcakes. <laughs> but I'm saying to them it was, that really happens? Yeah. yeah, that's real life, it's not a movie. Yeah. It's not something you're going to pay for to see. This is what we see in the community all the time. So, you know, right now I just want more of our younger cats to have that respect for the, for the older cats that have paved that way from and I don't see that right now and it's a big reason why it's watered down yeah it's as like well. it's like don't just sample the music and try to take because you know we we like a, we like a rhythm we like a like yeah. a, you know we like a certain instrumental what have you and you hear it but it's, you're not tapping into whatever the new thing is yeah. you're tapping into like yeah I remember when I first heard this joint wasn't it that this track in 1992 where oh. was I yeah what was the nostalgia that moment and you're looking for that in the new song but it's not there it's because not there. it's taking from it's going back to sports. It's throwback jerseys. <laughs> it's ex when you have a like team that. that's, that's <laughs> failing, right? You yeah. go to nostalgia. The Orioles have not won, and I love the Orioles. The <laughs> Orioles have not won a chip in my lifetime. Yeah. I just turned 38. So it's nearly 40 years that they've not won a chip. 
So right there, how do you bring in the people that's like, man, remember the good old days? <laughs> Let's bring some of the ring of honor or whatever, yeah. like our Orioles Hall of Famers or put on the throwback jersey, whatever the thing is to bring it back. There's the equivalent. This is why we have so many reboots and things of that nature and other media and movies. So, yeah, I, I think when elements of culture are dying out because people aren't giving that sort of credence to it and that respect to it and that acknowledgement to it, then it gets replaced. It gets replaced with something that is a pale comparison. It's like, man, I thought this was 80 proof. This yeah. is nothing in this. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this, this, is, this is not a spirit. Yeah. That, it, see, that's how I felt too, you know, when George Floyd passed, yeah. is I was really looking at the hip hop community come together like I saw back in the day. I remember when Self Destruction came out and it was all your top hip hop artists coming together to create this song True. about stopping violence. And then they shot a video for it. There was nothing of that nature, and I really, I remember talking to my mother about it, and I said, you notice the silence from the hip-hop community and our celebrities? Mm -hmm. And I said, you want to know why? You know what's going on right now? They are all looking at themselves and going, man, I've been so rich for so long, I don't even know what I stand for anymore. And if I step out of the gate now and try to say something, it's not believable. It's not genuine. Yeah. Well, folks like me, I'm out in the streets every day. I'm out in my community every day. It was easy for me to step in the fold and be in a rally or create a song that's about that moment. But I looked at our celebrities and top artists. I said, where Drake at? He can't speak on black struggle. He really don't know about it, nor has he really lived it. Yeah. That's not putting his music down, which some people might say, oh, you don't like his music. Did I say anything about that? I said, I don't know what that man stands for. Right. That's different. You can make great music, but what do you stand for in the black community? Because you are black as well. Yeah. What are your, I don't know what you stand for. What are, what, are your, what are your scruples aside from money? We don't know because <laughs> musically and verbally, you don't tell that to us. Yeah. At any point in time in his career, he's never said that to us. This is what I stand for. I don't like when you, you down our black women. I don't like when you lock up our black men. I can't think of one moment when that is, came out of this man's mouth. Right. I look at Kanye, as outspoken as he was. Yeah. He's all over the place. He wasn't around when Floyd was passed away. And look at the dumb stuff that came out of his mouth yeah. afterwards, telling it was a fake. He didn't die for real, yeah. which was hard for the family to wear. And I go, people like this have power. Yeah. in this lifetime and y'all were just sitting at home in your mansions because you knew you couldn't say nothing and, that, and that's the thing going back to you know kind of talking about how when you're bringing whatever the thing that you created that lane that you've created up to the next level what parts of your sort of like what you stand on are you able to create when you ascend or because I have this belief where you can only ascend so far if you have that and those people have traded that Gotcha. Like, I'm not going to speak on these things because I don't want to mess my money up. And That's what I felt. I'd rather lose some of these sort of cool opportunities or what seemed to be a really good opportunity on paper to kind of keep some of my credibility. You know, there's a certain degree of, you know, this is a performance medium, <laughs> but you want to be able to keep, like, all right, I'm who I am, and I'm going to speak on this yeah. because of that, versus you can get checked. And I like that. We, we have no problem as black folk. We will check you. Exactly what when I'm doing bugging. now. Right. And I don't feel I'm wrong for it because, again, I'm not attacking your music. No. I'm, I'm asking you as a black man. You're asking a question. Yeah, a question. What do you stand for? Because I can tell you right now, if you ask someone about me, they're going to know what I stand for. And that's important to me as a black man, as a man. <laughs> I mean, my pride is I want you to know what I stand for. When, when I'm doing these interviews... I've, I've gotten so, especially around George Floyd, especially around people having like, I'm a six foot four black man. I was like, my experience is gonna be different from someone else's experience, right? 
and I make it a point. And I've had people hit me in DMs. People get a lot of courage in DMs and yeah. emails. Why do you? Why are you so radical? I was like. I smiled on all of my podcasts. I was like, I could be very intimidating if I need to be. It's like, it's not my energy, right? And then I have people like, well, I really feel like you should focus more on this community versus that community. I was like, did you listen to this episode? Did you listen to these 10 episodes? Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm allowing my curatorial approach. I'm allowing who I think is interesting, like dictate who I bring on. And it's like people want to come in and they're saying, oh, I'm a chef now, too. I'm going to add some of this seasoning to it. <laughs> I was like, I didn't ask for that. I didn't ask for no lemon in my, my, my dish. And I, I think it's really interesting where people are, they get caught on it because we love. It's, the, it's like that meme on Thanksgiving. It's like that Thanksgiving clapback. It's a version of that. Mm-hmm. Let me check you because you got more success. And it's like, no. Not everybody's doing that. Some people, we don't know what they stand for. That's the question. Correct. Correct. But there are other people, if you actually go through and look at their work, you can see it. Correct. So you can see that, all right, Rob is black-leaning because he's a black guy, and his experience is going to come from that standpoint. And he tries to bring on a wide swap, diverse guests. Correct. Correct. But when people don't see that, why don't you have more of this small subset? Maybe they don't respond. Maybe I did, you didn't check. It's, it's kind of that. Okay, so, 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 what are your non-negotiables from a creative standpoint? Like, what are those things that you're like, eh, this might be a good opportunity, but it doesn't fit at this time. It doesn't fit with this organization. It doesn't fit in this sort of configuration. Tell me about that. Um, I mean, I can reflect on my time with the BSO in this one, just because when I came on full time in 2020, uh, one thing I was transparent and blunt about is I just didn't want a title. I just didn't want to be a black man put into a position, but I'm not really doing anything. And I was grateful to know, and one thing that was told to me early on was, we really want to extend our arm to the black community, but we don't know how to. I love that statement, and I wish more organizations would just say that plainly, because sometimes, you know, a white organization can jump out the gate, and they're trying to do something for us, but it's in bad taste. And it's because none of us are actually sitting at the table and going, you don't want to do this. Dennis, that's take, bad taste. Or, Dennis can take Claw Shoals. Yeah, and so <laughs> we appreciate the effort, but if you don't want to have a black person or black people at the table mm-hmm. to confirm what you're trying to do, that's when you run into those issues. So to say that and also get a response of, hey, we totally understand that you're a very outspoken person, you're very much in your community, you very much love your blackness, we want that. Yeah. And and I'll, any day, I will stick up for the BSO because I know how they've treated me. I know what they've shown me. I know the power they've given me since I'm there. I mean, I've been able to do a commission uh, Juneteenth piece called Destin Words, and I wrote that with James Lee III, who is a professor at Morgan State. We wrote a Frederick Douglass piece together as well. Um, even our percussionist, Brian Prechtel, Prechtel, who's a white guy, but really cares about our black community, we wrote a piece together called What is Good. So we're doing these great liter- literary pieces, yeah. poetic pieces, uh, musical pieces at the BSO where the non-negotiable for me was I need to be able to still be in all my blackness on stage. And I think when you saw me, Rob, <laughs> Besides having a suit on, you saw me out there in all my blackness still. I so was like, I literally was like, my man. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. And that's what I want for my folks to be like, my man. You know what I mean? And yeah. they respect that I come in there. I rock my chain with my suit sometimes. Yeah. I'm always rocking my kango all the time. Yeah. And those are non-negotiables for me is I'm not going to come in here and be all stiff and straight because that's what maybe the stigma of classical is. It's yeah. I'm black. 
and black coach is funky to me. So I'm bringing that up in here, and, and they love it because it's, it's a flavor that they're not used to. So yeah. that's what I'm trying to do. When when I when I travel to different thank you when I when I travel to, to different places like. Uh, it's like I'm not supposed to be here. And I've been kind of playing this this, this idea. Not necessarily. It's, it, it works in multiple ways. Like the whole statistics conversation, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, I'm almost forty, and it's like you're not supposed to make it. You know, or the whole um, people like you know that fit this sort of cohort that I'm in, mm -hmm. black male. Like, well, you don't belong in this place, what have you? Oh, I'm gonna go overboard with it. It's like, can I get a thicker chain? And I, that, that's, that's literally what it is. And I, I remember I went to a restaurant um, not, not too long ago, and I had the heaviest chain that I own on. And my girl was like, "Are you really doing this?" I was like, "Of course I'm doing this." I was like, "You're lucky I don't talk like Richard Pryor for the next hour." She's just like, "You are so much an ass." I was like, "Look, I enjoy this. I love this shit. That's, that's literally right. best Aquarius, baby." So. Talk about. Um, I got. I got a couple more questions here. Um, so, so talk about your, your your process in terms of the the writing process. Sure. And in I, I like to because it's writing. I like to almost look at it like chapters, like mm -hmm. in that sort of introductory part of this 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 book. These introductory chapters. Like, what are you doing in the beginning? What are you doing somewhere in the middle? And when do you know that you're done with this? Is solid. This is set. Let's roll with it. Uh, thank you for that question, number one. Uh, I've seen my maturation process as, a, I would say, a songwriter where earlier in my career I would write every piece of a song down, yeah. you know, every measure down, every note. And it wasn't organic, really. It was just like, hey, this is by the book. All right, let me go record it. And as I got older and got less time, I remember started saying to myself, how can I speed this process up? So I started really just using my mind more, and I started creating songs in four-measure increments. So when I started creating my verses, I would do it four measures at a time, yeah. memorize that, go to the next four, memorize that, and then, you know, have it, depending on what I'm doing, if it's a jazz piece, hip-hop piece, whatever, let's just say it's hip-hop, 16 bars, and I would have that loaded in my mind. Yeah. Then I would create the second verse, and normally what I would do with choruses or bridges is I would keep those open. I, if I have an idea, cool, let me lock it in, but the only things I would really concentrate is making the verses really concise, uh, have depth, have a good message, in there, which I'm built on, and the chorus and bridge is really organic, because normally when I lay my verses, I'm in a good mode of that song, and I feel like I know it well, and I know where I want to go, and that, that chorus and bridge would just come to me. Yeah. Uh, so where I'm at in my career now, I'm very organic about how I write. Some is written down, some is just stored in my mind, depending on what the project is. Um, I love to be in the studio and collaborate with other musicians. I do play electric guitar, nice. but I do side more on the songwriting side just because I'm at a level now where I can write a full song within maybe an hour or two. Right. And I had to get to that level because I do so much licensing with TV, films, and games. So projects with that, they can say we need a full song in three days. Or we need this theme song in two days. We need this jingle for this radio station by tonight. Yeah. So you're talking about you have to be able to compose a production, write it, record it, <laughs> get it mixed and mastered. That's a lot yeah. to do in a short span of time, but that's what separates okay songwriters, middle to level songwriters, and really great songwriters. I'm on the Grammy voting committee, so I'm able to vote on a lot of the products you see win Grammys, but I had to earn that right there by getting enough writing credits. Right. So when I say I really have put in my time, it's not always about being this big celebrity or this big star. It's tons of people like me who have music all over TV and films that you be like, I love this song, but I, who, who made this song? Yeah, yeah. People like me. 
most of us aren't big stars. It's no, again, to take it back to sports, <laughs> you have a small group of people who yeah. are superstars in basketball, football, um, tennis, golf, you name it. Music, acting, movies, it's no different. You have your certain superstars, but what about all the people that's in the middle in the gray area? Mm -hmm. I sit in that area and I've been taking care of my family for eight years now for just my music, just my acting. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you got to find your path and your way. And I've been able to do that um, on a lot of different mediums, music, acting, licensing. You know what I mean? Um, doing my cultural programs as well. So love round it. yourself out. I love it. I mean, again, it goes back to this this notion of the uh, the solo polymath, mm -hmm. the making your own lane. And I think the more that you can do when someone comes to me and say, oh, yeah, you're a podcaster. And then they view that in a certain way. And some weird things I've heard. You don't look like a podcaster. And I was like, I don't even know what, what does that, that means. Mean? Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? And I was like, because there are, there are a lot of bad <laughs> podcasters out there. And and then the, the, the other thing I find my, myself doing in terms of like having your own lane and figuring out your, your thing is starting to do more programming, starting to kind of have these sort of creative ideas. And I think having that trip to a different place, like going down there to New Orleans and seeing something mm -hmm. that, and, I, and I'll tell you about it off mic, but seeing something, I was like, yeah, I need to net that, I need to still, I need to make that for us. And there's so many different avenues. And just thinking about it from the entrepreneurial mindset, you know, having the business degree, yeah, yeah. and then the creative mindset, and it's like, how do those two things come together and kind of serve each other versus, well, I've got to use this side of the brain, and now turning that off, moving to this. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So this is the last question um, of the real questions, and then I got a couple rapid fire. I just added a rapid fire question because you said oh, something man. I thought was really funny. All right. <laughs> so, Aside from hard work and talent, right? Everyone, oh, we all work so hard, it's just, uh, tell me about luck or chance that really has helped you in your career, like an instance where I got really lucky. I was next to this dude in the coffee shop or, you know, he was like, yo, here's an opportunity, you know, I, I, I listen to your stuff, what have you. Tell me about like a chance or a chance encounter or um, a chance uh, or something luck oriented that really has like helped you and, and been impactful in your career. I'll tell you what, January kicked off with a bang. So I can tell you recent situations, and I like to call it more fate, to be honest with okay. you, Rob. Um, so I had a meeting at Unity Hall because I'm trying to do a fundraiser on April, uh, April 1st, yeah. and I wanted to utilize their kitchen, which they have on a lower level. It's a professional chef kitchen. And so I want to do a three-course meal, have people buy three-course meal, and that's going to be the fundraiser. But uh, creating the atmosphere and having a great night is also important of it, too. But when I was meeting there with them, uh, there was another gentleman they invited to the meeting. And he was somewhat quiet most of the time. He said a couple of things, and but I could tell our energy was similar. And so he emailed me after that initial meeting at Uni Hall, and he goes, man, we need to talk more on the side. And he goes, because I, I have an opportunity after hearing you out. Because, yeah. uh, you know, people know who I am as a musician here, but they don't really know, I would say, my vision for my community. And it's one is having a music school and a music hub for our black youth to come to. Yeah. So, and when I say music hub, a safe space for our kids to come to. Not just to learn music, but a safe space where they know they can be safe there, if need be. And so he goes, my family and I own Harlem Theater off of Gilmore, oh, along wow. with six other row houses. And I'm dropping some gems and some nuggets right now that you're <laughs> getting. This is how new this is. I'm talking about this happened this week. Wow. 
Um, so he goes, can you come by and meet my family? So I go over to Harlem Theater on Wednesday. I meet with this guy's family, and I'll be moving my nonprofit into Harlem Theater, and the music schools will be opening up in Harlem Theater. Wow. So there's an invitation for you on the podcast side to please come there yeah. and do something live because it would be great promotion for both of us, but to celebrate when we do get to open yeah. Harlem Theater again. The school is going to be called Music for the Masses Academy. We are looking to, again, make this place still pay homage to Harlem Theater and its history, because we know this is a historical landmark. Yeah. But the fact that I got this huge blessing, because I've been looking for a location for three years, man. Wow. And to get this dropped on me while I was at a meeting for a fundraiser, mm -hmm. that's what you were talking about. Absolutely. But I'm not even done. So... I get this grant <laughs> the same week uh, to do a music program for a whole week, and I chose to do it at New Song Academy because I have connections there. And so I'm talking about it, and uh, my friend Jason Green, who works up there, he goes, I need to introduce you to this guy Peter with the Baltimore Rock Opera Society. And I was like, okay, I know them. Yeah. And so we connect, and this is no lie. <laughs> the lady who's the programmer for... Baltimore Rock Society, Petula, is the one who does all the programming and the booking at Unity Hall. Wow. So I'm in this email, and I'm like, Petula, Petula. I interviewed her, by the way. <laughs> Lovely lady. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Uh -huh. I can tell why you interviewed her. We had some good talks today about <laughs> blackness, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm seeing Petula name on this side, and then I see Petula name on this side. I'm like, I know this is the same Petula. There's only one out here in Baltimore. <laughs> yeah. So I go in the day to show my partner in the kitchen and everything. I said, Petula, I'm pretty sure you're the same one from the other email for the Baltimore Rock opera. She goes, oh, I am. <laughs> and so we're in the elevator going downstairs. She goes, look, I know the meeting's not till next week, but this is what we're going to talk to you about. Are you interested in producing your own show? I said, yes. So. Wow two fate situations. Yeah. A fundraiser turned into me getting my own building and getting to produce my own new show that the Baltimore Rock Opera Society is going to fund. That's great. And I'm just like, man, this is my month right here. I mean, you already know Aquarius, but <laughs> yeah, <I guess. laughs> I'm glad you asked that question because that literally happened this week, man. These chain action of events, man. But I also wasn't surprised because I felt like I knew it was coming. I look at the zodiac signs we're in a lot season. Too. I mean, what are we doing? Yeah, we're in our, <laughs> we're in our season, and so I really pay attention. I was like, yeah, this this is gonna be my week right here, and it has been. So that's great. To thank hear. you for that question, man. It's great to hear, and I think that's um, a. Yeah. That's a that's a good spot for us to stop on the real the real questions and go into what some have called the BS questions. I call them the rapid fire questions. Right. So um, you know how rapid fire works. You don't want to overthink it. Uh, and so here's the first one. What is your go to late night meal? It's been a long day, feeling kind of lazy and getting to the crib. You're like, I need to eat something. What is the thing that you're going to eat? Man, I eat this big bag of. Uh... <laughs> Didn't even get done with. He <laughs> was like, say, say more. <laughs> it's peanuts, man. But okay. it's it's like a, a mixture of like omega and protein, and so it's got like uh, cranberries, walnuts, pineapples in it. That's my go-to, and I will go hard and crush. It's a huge bag, and I will crush it in an hour or so, and have no regrets. I hear you. Uh, describe your work in one word. Ooh, fast pace. Um, what was the last song that you listened to? Mm, Fix You by Coldplay. Uh, this is the last one I got for you. This is the one I added because I thought it was funny. Regardless of genre, who is your, because you said sports, sports related. Okay. So aside from genre, who is your favorite musical super team? 
Uh-huh. Come on, man. Yeah. All right. I'm going to say That's pre- a trolley question, it by is, the way. It is, man. It is. So it's, it's a mixture with me. I'm going to say Metallica, Prince, Coldplay, Nas, Redman, and Das Effects. Okay. Just jumbled up in gumbo. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, Whatever comes out, comes out. Yeah, my taste is all over the place. I hear you. That's great. Um, and I, 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 I look forward to hearing that, by the way. It's like, what, what you guys got? Is this the Super Bowl? What are we doing? Uh, so, so with that, I want to thank you for coming on to the podcast, and um, I want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks, the listeners, where they can check you out, your work, and all the happenings that are happening. So the floor is yours. Definitely. Well, you can check me out. My official website is wordsmithmusic.com. Uh, there's a lot of content on there. If you want to contact me, you can do it through there, or you can reach me at wordsmith at wordsmithmusic.com. All my social media, pretty much it's under wordsmith, except for Instagram. It's wordsmithmusic. And again, reach out, please. I'm not one of them artists that you send a, a DM and it sits there for a week. You know what I mean? I, literally, if I'm on tour, that might happen, but I'll literally write you back and say, hey, sorry for the delay. You know what I mean? So please reach out. Uh, feel free. I'm on Spotify, Apple, all that good stuff. You can hear anything from hip-hop, pop, to jazz. Um, hopefully, I'll be doing a classical piece pretty soon, uh, which is an extra gem for y'all. Uh, the BSO and I will probably, and we're pretty close to getting a deal done, doing an original piece with the B&O Railroad. Nice. Uh, they opened up an exhibit called uh, Freedom Seekers, which was actually the side of the B&O Railroad that the slaves used to come through okay. when they got their freedom. You know what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. So that's another big project that's on my plate. When I say I've been getting blessed, man, with impactful projects, you see my man Rob, he's getting the gems on his show. Because I haven't even spoke about this stuff with anybody else, so you're literally getting gems and nuggets, man. And I'm glad that I get to do it on your show. So thank you. Thank you so much. Um, And this has been great, so um, I'll sign off. So um, I'm Rob Lee for Wordsmith. Again, thank you for coming on. And uh, Sandra, there's art, community, blackness in and around your neck of the woods. You just got to look for it.